Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Stephen Kufferman. Stephen is a founding partner of the Los Angeles Center for Oral Maxillofacial Surgery and the CEO of Medva, a virtual medical staffing service. Today, he is our guest on financial flossing. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Well, you have a very interesting story because you have two really cool things to talk about here. You are an oral surgeon in Los Angeles, and you're part of I think you said earlier, the largest oral surgeon practice in the United States, potentially. Is that right? Well, I would say that we're probably one of, if not the largest in one office, and one of the largest oral and maxillofacial surgery practices that practice out of one office, because most oral surgeons have multiple offices to operate out of. Uh, but we're pretty large. We're um, six doctors, and um, we have a very broad scope of practice where we do sort of a basic kind of dental alveolar surgery all the way to things that are kind of more esoteric, like um, you know, jaw reconstruction and uh, orthognathic surgery and, and things like that. So it's a lot of fun. It's just a really just tremendous amount of energy, and I love it. I love it every day. I would not want to be the guy getting his jaw reconstructed, not because I wouldn't trust you. I just would not have had to go through the thing to need my jaw reconstructed. <laughs> so I'm sure you see a lot of crazy things just from the trauma standpoint, don't you? Yeah, we take trauma call at um, one of the level one trauma centers uh, here um, in a very large hospital. And it's, you know, trauma is unfortunate, but, you know, oral and maxillofacial surgeons are um, very well trained to handle all trauma of the uh, of the face. And um, it's, it's very rewarding. Uh, you get to take care of people when they're, you know, very vulnerable. And, um, and so it's just it's just a very rewarding part of the uh, of, of oral and maxillofacial surgery, and it, it allows, you know, the practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery is so diverse. I think of all the dental specialties, sort of maybe besides general dentistry, um, oral and maxillofacial surgery has so much diversity to it. There's so many um, niches within um, the practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery that just makes it so engaging and rewarding on a day-to-day basis. Well, most of the people listening are dentists or they're in the dental field. And so most people know this, but I'm sure there's some people who don't. So as an oral surgeon, you're a medical doctor and you're, so you're a physician and you're a dentist as well. So you, you have the MD and the DDS and most just have one or the other. And your residency was six years, correct? Yeah. So the, the residency is, is two years of medical school. So you have to do the last two years of medical school. Um, and then, uh, and then four more years of residency, which includes, uh, general surgery, some anesthesia training, uh, and then oral and maxillofacial surgery as the bulk of it. Yeah. That's a lot of work. I mean, when you actually finished all of your training, how old were you? I was 32 with three children and, and a lot of debt. I mean, that was like, that was honestly like, like what the level of training that a neurosurgeon has. 
Um, Pretty much. I mean, when I, you know, the neurosurgery training has changed a little bit. It may now be down to six years, but it used to be that you'd had to do um, at least seven years uh, of training for neurosurgery. It may still be that. And then they go on to do fellowships. So, you know, it's within a few years. So it's, it's significant. It's a lot, it's a lot of years. It's a lot of years and a lot of dedication and, and hard work. And you don't realize it when you're in the day to day in everything in life, really, right? You're, when you're in the day to day of things, you don't really realize the grind that you go through. And, uh, I remember when my, you know, parents and in-laws and my wife made a little party after I finished my residency and one of our friends came over and and said, oh, yeah, we're so excited. We're coming to, you know, the party that you're having. And, and I was like, yeah, whenever, you know, it's a party. And, and she like looks me in the eye and she says, and this is my, one of my wife's close friends. And she like looks me in the eye and says, um, it's a big deal, Stephen. It's a big deal. You went through a lot. <laughs> you know? um, so, you know, I, I didn't realize it at the time, like how much you go through in training, whatever, whatever you're training for, even just dental school, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of sacrifice. And if you're, if you have a family and I mean, there's a lot that go, that goes into that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the dynamics of, of your practice being that it's a big practice. You have a lot of partners and talk, talk a little bit about that dynamic. And then we'll talk a little bit about your other thing that kind of spurred off because of some challenges you had. Yeah. So um, I had, I really was very lucky that I did my residency with a guy, a guy named Ben Walleen, who's from Nebraska as, as different as, as I am from New York. And we started residency in 01 together, finished together. And then we actually worked for Kaiser together for a little while. And then in 2009, I realized that I wasn't able to, or wasn't going to be able to support my family, you know, on that, um, sort of, you know, W2, um, you know, income from a large hospital um, in Los Angeles. It just wasn't sustainable. So I just left and I, I just went on my own. And it was, of course, 2009, which was not an ideal time to, to make that decision. Um, but I, I went on my own and I, and I started a practice actually in, in a plastic surgeon's office uh, on my own and um, I bought a Panorex machine and an EMR and and, uh, you know, within a year, I, I called Ben and said, like, hey, you got to join me. This is, this is too much fun. And uh, we can do the same things we we're doing there. And, and then we just kept, you know, growing and growing and growing. And, you know, now we're, you know, six surgeons and it's in, in one office. And, you know, we focus on uh, basic oral surgery and, and large uh, sort of full scope oral surgery. And um, it's just, you know, so much fun every day. I re- you know, really enjoy you know, going in and the hardest part, you know, I, I, I love the surgery. The surgery was great, but the hardest part was just really managing the day-to-day operations of a, of a practice of multiple doctors with multiple employees. And, uh, and so it got to a point where I just had so many employees that were, you know, that I had to, that I was working with on a day-to-day basis that, um, I just saw that, in order to keep growing, we'd have to get more and more and more people, you know, on board to really run and manage and and handle the day to day of the operation. And how and many I employees just, do you have now? So now we have about 20, um, 20 people working in the office. And before, what was the most you ever had? I think we had in like low thirties. Okay. Low mid thirties. A lot of people to manage. A lot of people to manage when you're seeing patients four days a week. Right. Yeah. A lot of people to manage. And I just, I just was, you know, I was, you know, reading a lot and looking things up and just, you know, constantly trying to like, you know, work on practice management. It was kind of just part of the sort of day-to-day thing that I was doing. And 
Um, the surgery was straightforward and, and pretty easy for me. And I, and I sort of came across the idea of having remote employees. This is 2018, 19. And I, I realized, uh, I started reading about it and, and looking into it. And uh, I said to myself, wow, this is, this is really, really good. Like we, we couldn't do this 10 years ago. Internet speeds weren't fast enough. You know, the idea of having somebody answer your phones, uh, call out, you know, from your office, from another location was really not available in 2005, seven, nine, you know, the, the world was much less technologically advanced. And I started, you know, sort of thinking that, Oh, wow, this is like, you know, two lightning strikes at the same time. And I said, wow, well, maybe I can just get some people to just help me out just to answer my emails or, you know, handle calls or, you know, just keep my schedule in order. And then I started to think, well, well, maybe they can just make phone calls for billing related matters, just calling, you know, insurance companies. So I, I hired my first person from, uh, from the Philippines and uh, he was just uh, like a godsend, just so polished, you know, RN, uh, you know, a nurse who really just was just a great, you know, just a very dedicated employee, essentially, even though it wasn't, wasn't really an employee. And it was like lights, the lights like went on. And I realized that this was just an incredible opportunity, um, you know, for me. Then I just started thinking out of the box, like, wow, if, if you can do that, well, can you do this and can you do that and do this and do that and do this and do that? And so I just started bringing on, you know, more people to handle all this workload of, of running a, a large practice. And it just really just took off really from there. So you got, I mean, hiring people is the toughest challenge. And, you know, sometimes people are concerned about hiring international people because of, you know, accents or how well they speak English, things like that. But obviously, I mean, there's a lot of travel nurses in my town from the Philippines. I mean, the Philippines is, is you know very Americanized in, in many respects. And so, and, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, you know, offline, you've got the great resignation now. And to get somebody the low end of the totem pole in a dental practice in Los Angeles is 20 bucks an hour compensation. That doesn't even cost account for all the other costs that are involved. And so you're like, well, let me try one of these people. And it was a home run. And you're like, okay. Maybe I can do more. Yeah, that's how it happened. It, it was a home run. And um, uh, I started to, I actually got three more. And then I said, I've got to go to the Philippines. Oh, you like, you actually have to fly there? Well, I, I said, I got to go there. I got to find out. Like, I got to see what this is all about. You know, I got to meet these people. I got to, you know, talk to them, take them out to dinner. Like, I'm, I'm going. So, however many years ago and um we were going to do like an anniversary trip our my anniversary is in the summertime and so i we were going to go to thailand and so i figured hey it's close by why don't we make a stop and so i stopped in the philippines for for a day and a half two days and um i had four people at the time and i three of them came to meet me at the hotel and um you know, they, they treated me like a king in many ways. Like they came over to me and said, like, you're real. Nobody ever comes to visit us. 
we're so grateful for for the work you provide us and I you know Wow, appreciation, thankfulness. <laughs> and you know, my wife and I were like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, and, you know, they grab my arm. I'm uh, like, like you, I'm, I'm a big guy. Uh, and they're, they're little and like, they, you know, they grab my arm, you know, like as if, you know, they're, you know, they were just so grateful and it was, it was just incredible. Uh, we went out to dinner and I said, like, I had some meetings set up to find places where I can just do this on my own and share this with all of my friends. And, um, we went out to, you know, we went out to dinner and, uh, we went to, we went around town and, um, we even visited the, the largest American military cemetery in the world, which really? is in the Philippines from the Pacific theater. There's wow. the, uh, and there was, uh, that was sort of serendipitous. We were actually driving on the freeway and, and this is part of the whole uh, story of working in the Philippines that the traffic there is horrible. I don't know what it's like in Tallahassee, but in California it's bad. This doesn't even compare. Uh, you have no idea what it's like. So I said, get off the freeway. I can't sit in traffic. I do that in LA. I'm not doing that here. We got off the freeway and there was this gorgeous green cemetery and it was, you know, I looked it up and it was, it's the largest, you know, American military cemetery in the world, I, I believe. Uh, and I just got out of the car and they wouldn't let them in initially because uh, it's an Amer it's American property per se, I think. So I just flashed my passport and they're like, Hey, you guys can go in. And we went in and I, you know, I paid my respects and, you know, it was, it was, you know, fascinating, um, you know, just to see the connection and the respect that, that the people in the Philippines have for the Americans. And so, you know, that we spent, you know, just a few, just a little bit there. It was really just, we just got off the freeway. I was like, what is that? You know? And I was like, oh yeah, that's a cemetery for the American soldiers, you know? And people haven't been, you know, these are, these were 18, 19, 20 year old, you know, American servicemen who, you know, died in the Pacific theater and they were all buried in the Philippines. So it was very touching in, in many ways. And it was also very, you know, very much, you know, endeared me to, you know, to the country and to, to the people there. So we wrapped up the trip, you know, and, um, and then I, I was all in, I was like, this is, this is great. Like I have a connection here. I, and I started to realize how traffic was impacting healthcare professionals there and that they could work from home and be involved in medical practice in the U S even though they didn't have to leave their family and friends who were in the Philippines, like, you know, people do in travel nurses do. Exactly. Um, and I just realized, wow, like they can, you know, I, I realized how great it was for them that they were getting American dollar pay and they were getting uh, the ability to, to work, you know, remotely before remote work was a thing. Uh, they were getting the ability to not sit in traffic. Um, I had one of my virtual assistants um, was a nurse she had a three mile commute and it took like hours, literally. What? She yeah, might as well was, walk. Or, or, or maybe it was, sorry, it was a three hour, it was a three hour walk and a three hour like commute um, oh my uh, gosh. on the car. So she just put sneakers on and just started walking and told me that she was doing that. And I was like, oh my God, you know, this is like, yeah, no, you can do anything you want in my practice. <laughs> you know, like, you know, obviously it was just great to hear those sort of things. And, you know, they can work at, they work at night, obviously. And then, they can be with their kids during the day and it's just, it's a, it's a good opportunity. Most nurses know that they have to work the graveyard here and there. So, so, so you have four people, you go to the Philippines, you meet them. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You have four people and you're like, and then you start expanding. And when did you say, Oh, I got, I got to turn this into a business. When did that happen? Oh, it, it happened before I even went there. I, I already realized that this is great. I, I, you know, I have to tell my friends about this. I got to do this myself. This is, 
just incredible. It's the future. And, uh, and so then I went and then, you know, I just started setting things up and I just basically set, set it up. I brought in one of my, uh, close colleagues who's a gastroenterologist. Um, and, uh, I just said, you know, do you, do you want to do this? And some people actually told him about it beforehand. People that we knew mutually would say, Hey, why don't you do what Steven's doing? You know? And then he's like, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I've got whatever. And, um, he was struggling with his office, just didn't have enough staff and just people couldn't get into his office. And, um, he's a community doctor. He knows a lot of the people that he treats and I, and the same with me. And so, um, he, then he was like, okay, I'm going to call Steve. He calls me and I was like, yeah, let's just do this. You know, let's do this together. I mean, and so we decided to do it together and started it. And, you know, the rest, the rest is really history and it's been great. It's been very rewarding. So how did you get the word out and how far, how much has it grown and did COVID accelerate it even more? So COVID definitely accelerated it. You know, COVID testing facilities need people to handle all of what is involved after you get the swab up your nose. And so it definitely accelerated it in, in many respects with that. Uh, and people, doctors and healthcare facilities have, you know, are, are, are starting to understand that the non-clinical people can work remotely and that if you have nurses working clinically in your facility, in your office, in your surgery center, in your hospital, that you could also have the same people who choose not to come here and decide to just stay home and be in the Philippines to do those same people do all that other work. And, you know, we've been able to expand it to so many things that we were doing with, you know, people in the office that we can't find right now. Um, and, uh, and, and they, you know, they handle it, you know, there's hiccups here and there, you know, just like anything else, uh, you know, but the platform we set up and the way we've set it up has allowed us to really grow and, you know, and facilitate more and more offices that need people to work in the office. So how are you getting the word out and how fast are you growing? I mean, are you spread all over the country? Do you have people, you have clients in 50 States now and like, and how does it work? So I don't know if we have clients in 50 States, but we have plenty of clients. We have several, uh, a lot, we have a lot of clients um, in different parts of the country. We don't really have a lot of international clients, but we have, we have a few. Uh, how does it work? Uh, the way it works is we have a recruiting team that finds very talented people. We train them. And when somebody calls and says, I need people, we have them ready to go. And they've been sort of trained all of their, you know, technical issues are more or less um, ironed out and we'll send you several resumes, uh, usually a video resume. And, um, you know, you, you say, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll take this person. And then you interview that person and then you hire them and they start working for you. Have you, any of your clients, have they ever had a bad experience? Well, I'm sure that there are people who have had, you know, issues, whether it's some technical issue or whether they, ha you know, hired the wrong person or whatever it is. But overwhelmingly, it's a phenomenal, your clients yeah. are pleased. Yeah. I mean, I think in any business, there's always. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the two things that are the most, the reason why this is happening. One, finding people in this job market here in the United States is incredibly challenging. I mean, we're, we're recording this in May of 2022, and right now, finding people is the biggest challenge for business owners. Um, I mean, I've been to Starbucks and Chipotle where they're closed because they have staff issues. And so it's absolutely going to be an issue where you live in Los Angeles at 20 hours an hour doesn't go very far in Los Angeles. 
um, in other places, cost of living is increasing everywhere inflation. And so finding someone, number one, and then two, the cost of having them. And then they might leave tomorrow for a job for a dollar more an hour. You're providing people who are, are grateful, as you gave the example of when you were in the Philippines, but also at a pretty substantial cost to the end user. So if I call you and say, Stephen, I need an employee, you know, I can't find anyone for less than 20 or $25. What's it going to cost me to hire someone through your firm? So we, we charge a flat fee of $10 per hour. I'm sorry, what'd you say? $10 per hour. I'm sorry. Uh, I thought you said $10 an hour. That's exactly what I said. Which is about half of what it would cost for anybody in the United States to hire someone today. Correct. It would be half of what minimum wage is, or at least 50% less, but probably half if you're adding into taxes and all the other benefits. Yeah, it's a fraction because for the same reason, when you go and buy milk in you know India, it's also like an eighth of the cost because of the, the way in which the American dollar is arbitraged in, in other countries. We, the American dollar is very powerful and it can be used uh, you know, in other countries to go way further. Just like the California dollar doesn't go anywhere near as far as it does the Tallahassee dollar. So that's why the, the amount is so low, um, but it's, it's a lot higher, at least 50, in some cases, 100% higher than the salary of a healthcare professional in a hospital or a skilled nursing facility in the Philippines. So it's a very good job for them. We provide great healthcare and retirement benefits. Uh, and so uh, that's a function of how far the American dollar goes outside of the U.S. So what positions can these roles fill? What, what is the ideal position? So in, in the dental office, it's the, the easiest way to get started with this is, is if you have somebody who was a, you know, used to be calling in the insurance companies and asking what the benefits are how much they cover per year, what percentage they cover for this and that, how much is left that um, there are of course, you know, systems that do that already, um, but they're not as accurate and you're sort of left um, with the information that the website may give you. Um, and most offices that are efficient don't, don't use that. They'll call, they'll have somebody calling to find out what the benefits are. So that's the easiest way to get started in a dental office by having somebody who does benefit verification, uh, and uh, just calling the, the insurance companies, finding out you know how much it's going to pay, so you know how much to charge the patient, uh, and how much the insurance company is going to pay. Uh, probably the second easiest way is to start handling the EOBs from the dental insurance companies that often you know for, for whatever reason get declined, denied. Uh, they don't fully pay. You know they give an excuse that it's not a covered benefit, whatever it is, and you have to call the insurance company and say, hey. You know, Mrs. Smith, you know, this was supposed to be covered, you know, and they say, oh, you know what, uh, it's covered. Let's, you know, we'll send you the money. So that's another, you know, job that's done in an office. It depends on how big your office is, how many claims you have, whether you need somebody to do that. And then hygiene recall, you know, there's always somebody who's calling to, you know, bring in, you know, Mrs. Smith. Hey, you know, it's time for your cleaning. Can we put you on the schedule for Monday? You know, and you could expand it based on what you do in your practice on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, this just seems like a no-brainer. 
I mean, I, I'm not suggesting you go fire your existing staff, but like as you have turnover, obviously one way to deal with inflation is to cut costs. This is a way to cut costs. And I just see this as a no brainer. I mean, obviously your clients are loving it, are they not? Oh yeah. I mean, the clients love it. The only time that they're not happy is if there's a problem with the person, you know, and there's a work issue or, or some other related issue, but yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. It's, it's totally a no brainer. Um, there's really no reason not to do it. Um, you know, even in California, like real estate is, is a problem, you know, having space for staff as you grow in an office is, is, is a problem. And just that alone will cover the cost of, of a virtual assistant. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's totally, totally, totally a no brainer. So if someone wanted to learn more about this, if they're like, this is a really intriguing concept, I haven't thought about this before, or, Hey, I'm having trouble finding people or keeping people. What would be, how would they get in touch with you? How would they learn more about this? So I'm um, just getting back Yeah. I wouldn't fire anybody who's working for you because they're, they're, they're fantastic people. Um, exactly. Um, and I've never done that. Uh, but when people leave and um, they give you, if you're lucky, two weeks notice, uh, you know, we, we can get you somebody within a few days who's, you know, had some training. Now you, you have to onboard anybody in your office because every office does things differently. And even pronouncing the doctor's name is part of onboarding. So, um, so onboarding uh, is going to take some time either way, but we can get people in your office within a few days. Uh, and you just have to go to our website. It's really simple. You go to the website, you fill out a form, they'll, you know, set up in a meeting with somebody within the next. What is your days. website? www.medva.com. M-E-D-V-A.com. Perfect. And yeah. You just, just go on there and um, you'll fill out a, a form and it'll um, take you to the links and you'll uh, schedule an appointment with uh, one of our virtual assistants who will, um, will find you, you know, very qualified people to do whatever is needed in your office. This is fascinating. I think this very well could be uh, the future of administration in healthcare for, for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, you still need a core of people in your office and if you have, you know, I have some, some referrals of mine, like they have no employees, like literally like maybe their wife is answering the phones part time and then they're suctioning for themselves and doing their own dentistry. Like I did when I was a dental student and that's great. They, they have no overhead. Okay. They keep everything that they do and, uh, and, and it works great for them. But you know, when you have a really, really small office, you don't need somebody, or maybe you do, maybe it's worth, you know, the $10 an hour, you know, for whatever number of hours, you know, a, a month uh, to have somebody just to answer the phones. Um, they can't suction for you, but they can, they can answer the phones. Um, but for any practice that's sizable, this is, as you said, really a, a no brainer. Yeah, this is absolutely, it's definitely worth considering in the world that we live in today. I, I can't imagine this not being a topic of conversation when you have to hire somebody on the administrative side of the glass. For sure. Yeah. It is in well, every, in every company it is, you know, we, we've just launched a new business line for, for the company called Bizva and it's going to um, provide, you know, sort of non-medical uh, personnel help, whether it's with accounting or whether it's uh, with um, data entry, just, you know, any help that any you know, office may need. Um, so we're, you know, we're launching that very soon. And um, it's just another, you know, another way to really 
maximize, uh, you know, the, the way in which you do business on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're, we're out of time today, but Stephen, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your time today. And the website's medva.com, M-E-D-V-A.com, right? That's correct. Yeah, I just can't see why anyone wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be logging on that website very, very soon. But uh, thanks again, Stephen. I really appreciate your time. It was great meeting you and great chatting with you today. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannon. Tune in next week for our next episode. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 161390032. 2021-1195-35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535 expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. External sites and material are provided for your convenience in locating related information and services. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain, control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, number F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2021-138480. Expiration 0524. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>